My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 155, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Kings 16, Micah 1 through 4, and Psalm 139. 2 Kings 16. In the seventeenth year of Pekah, son of Ramaliah, Ahaz, son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, and even sacrificed his son in the fire. Engaging in the detestable practices of the nations, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Then Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem and besiege Ahaz, but they could not overpower him. At that time, Rezin, king of Aram, recovered Elath for Aram by driving out the people of Judah. Edomites then met, moved into Elath, and had lived there to this day. Ahaz sent messengers to say to Tiglath, Pelesar, king of Assyria, I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and of the king of Israel, who are attacking me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace and sent it as a gift to the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria complied by attacking Damascus and capturing it. He deported its inhabitants to Ker and put Rezin to death. Then King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pilassar, king of Assyria. He saw an altar in Damascus and sent to Uriah the priest a sketch of the altar with detailed plans for its construction. So, so Uriah the priest built an altar in accordance with all the plans that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus and finished it before King Ahaz returned. When the king came back from Damascus and saw the altar, he approached it and presented offerings on it. He offered up his burnt offerings and grain offerings, poured out his drink offering, and splashed the blood of his fellowship offering against the altar. As for the bronze altar that stood before the Lord, he brought it in front of the temple between the new altar and the temple of the Lord and put it on the north side of the new altar. King Ahaz then gave these orders to Uriah the priest. On the large new altar, offer the morning burnt offerings and the evening grain offerings, the king's burnt offerings and his grain offerings, and the burnt offerings of all the people of the land, and their grain offerings and their drink offerings. Splash against this altar the blood of all the burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I will use the bronze altar for seeking guidance. And Uriah the priest did just as King Ahaz had ordered. King Ahaz cut off the side panels and removed the maces from the movable stands. He removed the sea from the bronze bulls that supported it and set it on a stone base. He took away the Sabbath canopy that had been built at the temple and removed the royal entryway outside the temple of the Lord, in deference to the king of Assyria. As for the other events of the reign of Ahaz and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annuals of the kings of Judah? Ahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried with them in the city of David, and Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him as king. Micah chapter 1 
the word of the Lord came to Micah of Morasheth during the reign of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear you peoples, all of you, listen, earth and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place of planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. All her idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images. Since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes as the wages of prostitutes, they will again be used. Because of this, I will weep and wail. I will go about barefoot and naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. For Samaria's plague is incurable. It has spread to Judah. It has reached the very gate of my people, even to Jerusalem itself. Tell it not in Gath, weep not at all. In Beth Oprah, roll in the dust. Pass by naked and in shame, you will live in Saphir. Those who lived in Zanan will not come out. Beth Azel is in mourning. It no longer protects you. Those who live in Maroth writhe in pain, waiting for relief, because disaster has come from the Lord, even the gates of Jerusalem. You will live in Lachish, harness fast horses to the chariots. You are where the sin of daughter Zion began, for the transgressions of Israel were found in you. Therefore, you will give parting gifts to Maresh, Gath, the town of Akzib, will prove deception to the kings of Israel. I will bring a conqueror against you who live in Marsha. The nobles of Israel will flee to Aldulam. Shave your head in mourning for the child in whom you delight. Make yourself as bald as the vulture, for they will go from you into exile. Woe to those who plan inequity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They cover fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Therefore, the Lord says, I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly for it will be a time of calamity. In that day, people will ridicule you. They will taunt you with the mournful song. We are utterly ruined. My people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traitors. Therefore, you will have no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the land by lot. Do not prophesy. Their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. You descendants of Jacob, should it be said, does the Lord become impatient? Does he do such things? Do not my words do good. Do the one whose ways are upright. Lately, my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care. Like men returning from battle, you drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. Get up, go away, for this is not your resting place, because it is defiled. It is ruined beyond all remedy. If a liar and a deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. 
I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. The one who breaks open the wall will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace. If they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who built Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophet tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes from strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever." In that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame, I will assemble the exiles, and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame my remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion, from that day and forever. As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Why do you now cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your ruler perished? That pain seizes you like that of a woman in labor. Writhe in agony, daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. But now many nations are gathered against you. They say, let her be defiled. Let our eyes gloat over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. 
Rise and thresh, daughter Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hooves of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. You will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inner inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. In 2 Kings, we read about the serious drift of the southern kingdom, which is described as mirroring the northern kingdom, specifically King Ahaz of the southern kingdom, who was becoming a part of the anti-story, sacrificing his son to Baal Hadad, which is not like a dedication, but a murder by fire, which is a prominent feature in at least some of the polytheistic Canaanite religions practiced in ancient Syria, Palestine, according to Dr. Walton's commentary. The outlaw of this practice was written into the Israelite laws given by Moses in Deuteronomy 18.10. King Ahaz was being besieged by neighboring kingdoms, two kings, Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel. Dr. Walton describes how this crisis in history is referred to as the Syro-Ephraimite War, starting around 734 BC. These lead to the Assyrian campaigns and King Ahaz of the southern kingdom in Jerusalem pays tribute to Tiglath-Pileser III from Kalah asking for help. And the enemy kings Rezin and Pekah are eventually killed. The chapter does seem to note making sacrifices to God, but not really. As Dr. Walton comments, the author of Kings wants the reader to note and disapprove of them modeling these new altars after the Assyrian religions and creating this bronze altar for divination or seeking practices, which had to do with pagan sorcery and alluding to the outlawed practices of child sacrifice, as Dr. Walton noted. 
Dr. Conkle describes what happens in King Ahaz's time as cultural syncretism. Other similar terms may be acculturation or appropriation, but syncretism is when an aspect of two or more distinct cultures mix together to create a new custom, idea, practice, or philosophy. And that's kind of what we see going on right now. And it's pretty sad. We start the book of Micah today. Micah was a prophet from the southern kingdom who lived about the same time as the prophet Isaiah, like the other prophets who were messengers of God, voicing warning, concerns, accusations, reminders, mercy, and the truth of consequence to hard hearts, judgment for rebellion. But still, there's always this glimmer of hope and promise of restoration in the message of the story. And in this story today, Micah is telling the narrative we are also reading in 2 Kings. The Assyrians will ravage the northern kingdom and will also take a turn at the southern kingdom. But another, even greater enemy, the Babylonians, will be coming for the southern kingdom. God is coming overall to respond to these 500 years of Israelite rebellion. Notice how Micah describes specific cities and emphasizes the leaders in his accusation who became wealthy by means of theft and greed and bribery and other means not at all following the laws that were presented to us in the Torah. He also emphasized the corrupt prophets. Wow, I can think of how this might resonate with us today. I mean, I know I get a little sad sometimes when I'm reading media headlines about corrupt pastors or Christian organizations and unethical, exploitive leaders in private, public, and governmental organizations and roles. It doesn't mean they all were adrift, but enough were to stir God to respond by removing his protection. Yet we also read in chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, God will be the shepherd to the remnant. Those who are or are willing in God's mercy to repent and return to their God-given place as His people, becoming a kingdom of priests, in and from God's blessing, blessing others. In the second part of chapter 4, Dr. Mackey describes this is where we see Israel being described as the place where heaven and earth meet, that God will restore the new Jerusalem and fill the temple with His presence and the city with the remnant that follow Him. It's a story of consequence, but also a hope of redemption and restoration. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.